Uh, before we jump in real quick, you can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on Twitter. And on uh, TikTok at Hold Up Podcast, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash hold up. And you can subscribe now. This is fun and new. You can just subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, and then you'll get all the bonus episodes right in your feed. So if you're so inclined, do that. Um, Yeah, I think we start the episode now. Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week... We watched White Christmas. I don't have the demos. Uh, White Christmas came out in 1943. And that is not correct. Hang on. I wasn't like the worst off. It came out in 1954. Um, It was directed by Michael Curtis. Don't be screaming. And... Written by, they never put the writers like up top, and that's insulting. Written by Norman Krasna, Norman Panama, and Melvin Frank. Two different Normans wrote this movie. It stars Bing Crosby, Danny Kay, Rosemary Clooney, and Vera Allen. It holds a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. Carrie, why do you like this movie? First of all, this movie holds a very nostalgic place for me. We've watched this movie every Christmas for as long as I can remember. It was our Aunt Pam, one of her favorites. It also just became like a Steel Gilbert family favorite minus dad. Our dad hates it because he claims our Aunt Pam used to make him watch it every year, which is probably true. But but so nostalgia aside, I often I also just love the music I think it's funny. I think it's fun. I love the cast. Yeah, Carrie, what's... what's like a perfect Christmas musical. What is White Christmas about? Okay, so, hard to say. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> there is a general. <laughs> Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby were in the army. Correct. And their names are Loggins and Messina. <laughs> no, what are their names? Uh... Bill Davis and Wallace and Davis. Bob Wallace. Their names are Hall and Oaks. No, Wallace and Davis. And they had this general in the army that they really liked. Oh, that's why it wasn't made in 1943. We got to be like 10 years out from World War II. I should have done some deducing. Anyway, um, they, Bing Crosby or Danny Kay saves Bing Crosby's life and then blackmails him into being a musical duo with him for the next decade. And they become very famous. And then they run into these two ladies at a jazz club, Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen. And that's the famous sisters, sisters, never were there such devoted sisters scene. And they decide to go to Vermont with them where they're booked to sing for the holidays. And, but when they get there, the Vermont Inn doesn't have any snow. So everyone's canceling their trips. And it turns out shock of all shocks, their old general from the army is running the inn, but it's not doing well because there's no snow. So he's running out of money. So how are they going to save the general in his inn? Honestly, it's the original Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the original Hallmark Christmas movie. It's also like got rom-com trope after rom-com trope. I mean, we got, we got some fake dating. Yep. We have a fake engagement, a fake engagement. We have enemies to lovers to enemies to lovers, like cycling, um, small town 
Christmas, saving the business, saving the business. Um, music. They sing. They sing. Uh, what do you, what do you like about this movie? I like the music. I like the pretty dancing. Vera Allen is a beautiful dancer, even if she can't super sing very well. Well, and Not Rosemary badly. Clooney can't really dance, so yeah, there so you together, go. They make the perfect person. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's. I think mine is mostly nostalgia. I don't know if I like discovered this movie as an adult if I would watch it every year, you know. But I think if I don't watch it at Christmas, I feel like I didn't do something. Like I haven't watched It's a Wonderful Life yet, and I feel like I I've forgotten to do something. There's just some movies you have to watch at Christmas, mm-hmm. and White Christmas is one of them for me. Mm-hmm. And I like the like you know you turn it on at the beginning. It's just like a red screen, red screen that says White Christmas. Like it, it, I like it. It's got a, it's like an old movie. I like an old movie. Yeah, it's we watched, very cozy. We watched the end with your sons this morning, and uh, Theo was all jazzed about the ballerinas. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Yeah, I mean beautiful, beautiful, and beautiful music numbers you that make no sense. No sense. Yeah, in the movie. Tell us some, some of the maybe parts of this movie that um not don't hold up. I mean, we'll get to that minstrel scene, but until like what? Till, let's walk through some of the plot holes of this otherwise perfect movie. Listen, this movie is perfect, Bob, but the plot holes abound. Plot holes and minstrel <laughs> Plot holes abound. First of all, um, the, the uh, where do I start? First of all, so they're gonna put on this like show at this inn. And it's just going to bring in troves of people, right? And then what ends up bringing in people is the snow. Because, like, they're like, it'll bring in troves of people, but it's just people they've hired and paid to be there. It's not a long-term solution to this (laughs) problem. Correct. This is a a global warming movie. The problem (laughs) is there's no snow. Um, They also are like, we'll fit in the girls, meaning the um the Haynes sisters rosemary clooney and vera allen will fit them in like where we don't have cast available and except then like they end up being the stars of right, this so show they, they like bring their whole cast of their show up to this inn in vermont and then they're like the way they get around the fact that they're doing it for christmas eve is like obviously we won't be able to get everyone because some people will want to be with their families at christmas eve which like it doesn't seem like anyone gave a shit about their families like everybody <laughs> comes up but then they're in but then they don't just put on their show they create a whole new show and put the Haynes sisters in the leads and so like if I was that one chorus girl let's, uh, there was some I there was some shit going on those girls the chorus girls hated the Haynes sisters I sure. would have been pissed if I were a chorus girl I dragged my ass up here over the holidays and you found some new bitches to be the lead you're trying like, to get laid with these bitches right I mean it's fine but whatever I mean we like it because we like a Rosemary Clooney but right and we get to see some beautiful Vera Ellen dancing um so like great for the audience i'm just saying like the chorus girls have a right to be pissed um, let's watch that movie <laughs> right um maybe i should write that christmas movie. also the idea that like a two-star general can't get a job like carrie this country treats our veterans <laughs> like crap <laughs> but he's a general like this movie is this uh, man was like trying to change the legislation and uh pro veteran and it's making a point about how we treat our uh men and women when they come in the services obviously not women at this time <laughs> um just wild truly wild uh well at the same time being military propaganda <laughs> um also like everybody's mad at Bill and Bob because they're gonna like exploit the general 
but then it's never explained how anybody except for Rosemary Clooney forgives them. That's just fine. Everything's fine. It's just fine. Again, the original Hallmark Christmas movie. True. Um, we're supposed to believe that Vera Ellen's the younger sister. Yeah, you had a real hard time. You kept being like, she looks older. She does look older. She looks like the older sister. Who was actually older. She was. She was like 10 years older than Rosemary Clooney. 10 years older? That's not right. Is that right? I, to my recollection, Rosemary Clooney was younger than the rest of them by a Sarah Ellen was born in 1921 in Norwood, Ohio. Oh, look at that. What are these ladies coming up from Cincinnati? Jesus. Listen. What did I say? 19 grown up talented in Cincinnati. They were 10 years. Rosemary Clooney was born in 1928. They were seven years apart. But yes, Vera Ellen was older. In Maysville, Kentucky. Where's Maysville? In Kentucky. I hate you. It's like you're getting coal in your stocking. <laughs> Although by the time our listeners are listening to this, you've already gotten coal in your stocking. Guys, we're recording together. We never do this. It's true. And we're drinking. We do do that on a relatively frequent basis. It is not yet 5 p.m. All right. Recording. So this movie came out in 1950. What'd you say? 1954? 1953? Maybe six. I don't know. Sometime in the 50s. So so back in a time when we were still applauding a minstrel show correct we have some things that don't hold up like the number like like how much we miss a minstrel show yeah i will say this is not excusing that number but the silver lining is nobody's in blackface right somebody had the wherewithal somebody was like we shouldn't do that which to be fair people don't do nowadays so <laughs> Right. So Bing Crosby ahead of his time, question mark? No, that's not. I don't want him to say that. But I we don't know that he wasn't like, I need to be in blackface for this. And someone wasn't like, you don't, I promise. It's going to be offensive enough as is. We don't need to. We don't need blackface. Yeah. No one was in blackface. They, they did. Like, here's why the movie's okay. No one was in, like, the bar's very low. The bar is low. But, like, by 1950 standards, you know. But what's the song? It is like minstrel show party. It's it's called Mandy. What? It was originally written in 1918. And part of minstrel shows. What was? The song, Mandy. Oh, but then they have a song that's like, I miss a minstrel show or something. Yeah, that's the beginning of, that's like the intro to Mandy that I think got written for like Christmas to because Mandy was a minstrel song and so it's like an ode oh to, you look at the history it gets worse uh-huh yeah that's tough and it was performed in blackface for many years well I don't love that <sighs> and the other thing about it is like we're saying like well this maybe it's moving in 1950 whatever um but it's like they knew enough. Like minstrel shows were already over. <laughs> so they were just like, let's like people knew minstrel shows were wrong when they were happening, you know? I don't think there was ever any time where people were like, blackface is fine. Like we knew blackface was wrong from jump. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not great. Wait, this out. was the last time that Mandy appeared in a musical. That's, I mean, it's not good that it's in there, but it's good that we stopped. Here's what this article. This is from an article on Zocalo and we'll put it in the show notes it's by Bryn Shiovitz and this is like the this is sort of 
Mandy made its final appearance in 1954's White Christmas as the film's big holiday spectacular, a minstrel show that dressed the old racist classic up in abulent costumes, familiar voices, and lots of bare white skin. Twelve scandalously dressed women outfitted like Christmas gifts replaced the traditional ensemble of white men in blackface. Clooney played the role of the interlocutor, and Crosby and Kay adopted the traditional minstrel tropes Mr. Tambo, who played tambourine, and Mr. Bones, who rattled bones as clappers, respectively. Vera Ellen's theatrical jazz dancing replaced the minstrel show's conventional use of tap dance, offering a more mid-century take on appropriation. Today, it's still easy to get swept up in the nostalgia White Christmas is selling lovers at a cozy Vermont cabin for the holidays set against the backdrop of World War II service. But when romance and patriotism get tied up in the Christmas spirit, questioning even one part of the equation can feel downright sacrilegious. Rather than taking a jingoistic attitude toward what we feel the most nostalgic toward, let's accept that American history is complicated and that the American songbook can be rather unsettling even and maybe especially at christmas time yeah i think probably <laughs> also i mean like big crosby anyway <laughs> um yeah i mean i feel like that's kind of like the thesis of our podcast is like <laughs> yeah you feel nostalgic but also like yikes maybe interrogate some of the parts that don't hold up yeah we also said today when we were watching um the g i wish i were back in the army song is <laughs> uh hard hard to swallow <laughs> yeah i mean i also like that that's the one part of this that like because it does overwhelmingly feel like a movie about like oh this was an army general and now he's like struggling so and i don't know if this was i'm probably giving the movie too much credit but there is like something to be seen in like how we're treating our veterans when they come home and also like world war ii veterans had the gi bill like they were as far as i understand treated much better than we treat our veterans today Yes, although we probably had a different understanding of, like, mental health and PTSD. For sure. <laughs> probably weren't being like, hey, you should have free therapy for life because of your service to this country. Um, but to then have a being like, I wish I was back in the army feels like, because it was fun and we got to fuck ladies, which is the undercurrent. It's like, oh, we sent you to fight in horrible wars. Right. Yeah. And maybe, like, like, if we're talking about World War II, like... It, defeating the nazis is a pretty noble cause and thank you for your service and maybe some of the causes we send people to fight for aren't as noble but also like even in world war ii soldiers were dying horrible deaths yeah the gi wish i was back in the army does not ever touch like we saw horrible things <laughs> yeah we it are forever never traumatized that was an in- that was an incredibly traumatizing war this movie starts with like they're on like christmas eve they're like have putting on a christmas show while they're in the army and like all away from their families and then they get bombed like <laughs> and then it ends with like we should really we should go back. back that was like, fun that was a good time remember when we got bombed on christmas I also understand that, like, this is not, like, a World War II epic. Like, we're not trying. Like, this is a Christmas rom-com set in Vermont. But it's just a little bit, like, do you wish that we're back in the I was distracted by Hollywood has ruined me by how much, like, a set their um, army area, army area barracks? I don't know what you call it. Their, like, bunker looked. It was just sort of like, oh, those stones are fully just foam. <laughs> yes. Like, it did look like the bombs would have toppled everything yeah special effects have really uh improved in the last 50 60 years 70 years there it is ben texted me the other day because they were coming out with a that 90 show and he was all upset because he's like it's too soon like that 90s was just and then he was like 
Oh, I guess we're as close to the nineties now as we were to the seventies when the first one aired. And I was like, yeah, we're ancient. <laughs> yes. So who's asking for a, that nineties show? N- not me. Um, Danny Masterson is not set to appear. Great. Yeah. I mean, okay. So, you know, there are things that are questionable at best. There's troubling things. Honestly, if there wasn't in a movie that came out in 1950, yeah. you'd be like, it's kind of like when we watched Roxanne and we were like, this is going to be problematic. And then we were like, this was delightful and not <laughs> problematic at all. Um, I will say there's nothing like horribly sexist or misogynistic. So there's that. But like sometimes Bing Crosby's presence counts. <laughs> Wasn't he a horrible misogynist? Um, I wasn't he bad? Honestly, Al, I think you're thinking, and it hurts me to say this, Gene Kelly. No, I know Gene Kelly was also bad, but catch me not stopping watching Singing in the Rain. But I think Bing Crosby was like schmishmusiv. But if he's not, cut this out because I don't want to accuse him of something he didn't do. Hold, please. Three meals a day for which you didn't pay. That's the G I wish I was back in the army. Which like it does also highlight the fact that like, oh, come fight for us and we'll give you free food and risk your life. Ugh. Ugh, we're bad people. We're a bad country. Mm. His children claim that he was abusive. Right. So I'm not crazy. Oh my god, he went to Gonzaga. Hey Jesuit. Okay, so Bing Crosby, like, you know, maybe didn't treat his kids great is what I got from a quick Google. Yeah, no, I mean, Bing Crosby, I think he also was like, uh, I was reading the Wikipedia. could be an asshole, like, in production. Sure. There's a story about, so like, if you've seen the movie as many times as we have, you'll notice that he breaks when they are doing the sisters, when he and Danny Kay are covering for the girls and they do the sister scene. Um, he breaks and he, the rumor has it that he wanted to like redo that scene. And the director was like, no, it's funnier because you yeah. break. And he, but he was like a perfection, like an, you know, kind of like an asshole. Um, yeah. Compulsive perfectionist to the point of like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't want to be seen breaking on film. Um, also, and I don't obviously know any, like. There's also a chance that it was like, it's good and we got it and it's going to cost money and time to keep going. And like the crew wants to get home and there's the asshole actor being like, I must do one more for my craft. And it's right. like, yeah, fuck off. We're all going home. Like, um, there is yeah. something to be said for like actors who want to like get their best take or whatever. And then there's also something to be said that like the more times you make people do a scene, the more, the like longer you keep people working and Hollywood mm-hmm. has notoriously terrible work hours. So I don't know. That's just something to keep in mind when actors are like, I must get it. Right. Um, um, I do think it like at one point he and Rosemary Clooney had a falling out. They then reconciled and much like the movie. Much like the movie. Um and were very close prior to both their but deaths, is my understanding. Oh, um nice. and like my understanding is also like he was very supportive of her and like wanted to build her up and build up her career and like incorporated her into his various endeavors um so you know pe- people contain multitudes is i guess what i'm people saying contain multitudes. and i'm not excusing you know what his children have said about him and how he treated them um but no, but that's just it people contain multitudes right and nobody is wholly good or wholly bad right oh. and 
not to like be all World War II, but I guess like Hitler was probably holy bad. Um, <laughs> um, but also like but his paintings. <laughs> <laughs> he was bad at that too. Um, but I like this is the thesis of the podcast. When we interrogate things, we talk about why they're problematic, and also people contain multitudes. Also, like in this movie, he's hella charming, and yeah. the man can sing. There's no question. Um. I am a Danny Kaye girl, but now you've broken my heart by saying, broken my heart, because if this weren't true, he and I would surely be together, that he was- Posthumously. Posthumously. Posthumously, you and Danny Kaye would be together. That's one of those words I've only, I only ever see written, and so I never know how to pronounce it. Um, so Danny Kaye, yes, there are rumors that he was a homosexual. Um, and on the third day, God created the Remington action rifle so the man could shoot the dinosaurs and the homosexual. Uh, yeah, somebody cl- there have been claims that he and Lawrence Olivier had a years long affair. Um, but then, like, a biographer of Olivier said that in like all of Olivier's letters and journals, he never found any evidence of that. Hmm. Um, so it's not super clear. But there are rumors that Danny Kay was gay, and I, I like I don't I don't know that we could speak to Danny Kay's sexuality at all. But I, you know, generally I wouldn't be surprised if there were lots of closeted gay men in Hollywood at that time. Yeah, I was gonna say we'll never know for sure if Danny Kay was gay or bi or any or straight. Like we'll never know what his sexuality was because he's not here to speak to it. Um. But I wouldn't, there's gotta be so many cases of closeted men and women, to be honest, in Hollywood mm-hmm. at the time, because homosexuality was so, I mean, a number one, illegal for such a long period of time, but also just like looked down upon and frowned right. upon and still is. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's probably much less now than it was then, but I'm sure there are closeted um, people now in Hollywood. Yeah, know? for sure. Um. So, yeah. I will say this is so tangential, super tangential, but I just watched, frankly, a not good show on Netflix called Echoes with um, Bridget Moynihan or Monahan. Tough to say. No, Bridget, one of them, Michelle, the other one. I think it was Michelle Monahan. So it was he, not the one that has a baby with Tom Brady. I think that's Bridget Moynihan. Well, mm-hmm. No, much like Danica sexuality, you'll never know. It's shocking how much this comes up on this podcast. <laughs> Wild, truly. Anyway, watched a not great show. Listen, if you're thinking to yourself, you know what I'm going to do between Christmas and New Year's? I'm going to watch all of Echoes on Netflix. Save yourself the time. No, not worth it. Watch The Recruit because my friend George wrote for it and there's a character named after our father. There you go. Do that. So anyway, I watched it and Matt Bomer, who is an out gay man, um, plays, well, so she plays twins and he plays one of the husbands. There's two. Daniel Soon Jada, who plays the other husband you'd recognize his face because he is that guy as if i know how to spell the word you just said he's that guy and we'll be like oh yeah that guy keep going keep talking anyway so Uh, he's fine Mm -hmm. you guys know he's the um designer from devil rose prada Mm -hmm. he also dated bailey on grace briefly see how i got it back to grace also um i can't get it back to house but i can't get it to svu he he's a technician on svu 
Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So that guy, he plays one husband. Matt Bomer plays the other husband. And while I was watching, I remember when I Matt see them make out. Keep going. I remember when Matt Bomer came out, one of the things that he expressed concern about was that like he wouldn't continue to get cast in things. And so I'm pleased that he continues to get work, including playing like straight, straight dads. Yeah. yeah. I do think that that like I think a lot of I will say they did very little with his character in the show. I think a lot of gay people, like gay actors, have expressed that like often when they come out, they get pigeonholed to only play gay characters. Um, and that's part of the discussion about like, should we be, should straight actors be able to play queer characters? Um, and the answer is sort of like, not until we're sort of letting queer actors play straight, like, right. You know, it's obviously a much more complicated and nuanced issue, but it's sort of, but one of the arguments is that like, but if we are pigeonholing gay characters to only play gay characters and then also allowing straight actors or pigeonholing gay actors to only play gay characters and then also allowing straight actors to play gay characters, we're severely limiting the amount of roles that gay actors have to play. And so I think it's very nice to see that yeah, Matt Bomer is being a... Because he, he also is just like, what a good, hot, boring dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and when I say they didn't do a lot with his character, he's like one of the main characters, so he's there a lot. But I just the story. Listen, this, this is, is not, not a <laughs> this is not an Echoes podcast, but like toward the end, you're just like I feel like we haven't wrapped up like 14 different stories that got introduced. Not unlike White Christmas, where everything gets wrapped up with a beautiful scene of our four main characters dressed as your sunset today, all Santas, all Santas dressed all as Santa with um, little ballerinas dancing around them. Ooh, another plot hole. I do not, I have seen this movie a hundred million thousand times. I do not understand the development or arc of Danny Kay and Vera Ellen's uh, yeah, they're like, like, relationship to be engaged because that somehow is going to get, because if Rosemary Clooney feels like her younger sister, who is who looks much older than she is, is taken care of, then then she'll be able to go off and wed herself. So they pretend, which is like, all right, that's shaky logic at best, but I'm on board. <laughs> but then, so they do that. They pretend to be engaged, but then make out at the end. And it's like, do you guys like each other or not? Right. Maybe they're just horny. I mean, they're both really attractive people. So it could just be one of those things of like, we're both really attractive and it's Christmas. So like, why not? And Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney were making out. Right. Know? Yeah. A true love story after, you know, a week together. As all great um, <laughs> Hallmark movies are. And this is the original Hallmark Christmas movie. Yes. Um, What's your favorite number from White Christmas? <laughs> is it bad if I say I wish it was back in the army? <laughs> Yes. Um, no, sisters is my favorite number. Hmm, interesting. Why? I love love you didn't do right by me just because I love Rosemary Clooney's voice and I appreciate that she gets a solo. And you like that um Tony from West Side Story is one of her backup dancers. Not Tony Bernardo. Excuse me, thank you. Yes, Bernardo. Neither of them Puerto Rican. <laughs> so, no. Uh She's back and we're like Greek close enough. <laughs> This is back in the time when they're like, well, he ain't white. So now he's white. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I like the theater, the theater. Me too. A lot of the numbers are just numbers from their musical. Like a lot, including the minstrel show. Part of the reason you could like so easily just lift that minstrel show number right out is it doesn't have any bearing on the plot. This was before musicals needed to have any reason to break into song. They just did it without having any reason. It is, we're like seeing them practice their show, but we see them do a lot of full numbers. Mm -hmm. The story of this movie could probably be told in about a half hour. And then the rest of it is just them doing musical numbers. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love it. I'm not complaining. I'm saying that's a real perk. Um... I remember so Jeff and I early on in our relationship saw the like staged version of White Christmas, which is has some like pretty distinct differences. And the second act opens with like this number that makes absolutely no sense in the movie. And Jeff was like, I was really bothered by that. And I was like, but you aren't bothered by that in the movie. And he's like, I don't have a logical explanation. I'm just telling you like how I felt. And I was he like, he wanted it to be, he wanted it to move the plot forward in the movie. I guess. Sure. Fair enough. Um, yeah anything else we love a white christmas we have now exhausted every christmas movie we've not exhausted every christmas, every christmas rom-com that's not true we've never done family man which i said last time is that a rom-com yeah i think so we've never done it's a wonderful life not a rom-com i'm sorry will he kill himself therefore leaving <laughs> his family at the end or not the answer is no donna reads so hot uh... i think it counts I feel like I feel like we need to reassess. I feel like there's some Christmas rom-coms we may be missing. Or Christmas's Fred Claus. We haven't tapped into the Vince Vaughn <laughs> repertoire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got lots to do. Lots to do. Bad Santa. Is that a rom-com? I'm sure not. Anyway. Well, we've got a whole year to figure it out. Um, Violent Night, which came out this year. <laughs> Spirited. Is that a rom-com? Uh, yeah, there's a romantic subplot. Okay. See? Great. It's not good. Um... Yeah, if you have recommendations for Christmas rom-coms that you'd like to see us do next year, let us know. That's true. Tell us what we're forgetting. That's um, And then we're going to return to our regularly scheduled program of regular rom-coms. Yeah, this is our last recording of 2022, babies. So we'll see you in 2023, which at the point of listening to this is a mere days away. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>